All right, let me tell you all something about Anchor. If you ever want to start your own podcast or create your own podcast, Anchor makes it really easy. First of all, it's absolutely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more popular platforms. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All gas, no brakes. And now we have liftoff. Welcome into the Now We Have Liftoff New York Jets podcast. And of course, as always, I am your host, John June. And of course, I have to have my guy here, Frank Piccolo. Frank, what is going on, man? Yo, yo, yo. How we feeling, John? You know, it's uh, it's after the draft. So, you know, you've got that deflation a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's like... After you had, you know, your first wedding, everyone's like, oh, they care about you after you have your wedding. And, and then everyone's like, oh, how's, how's married life, blah, blah, blah. But then after a while, look, no one cares anymore. Uh, and kind of feel that way about the draft. And so, uh, you know, we're just waiting until the season starts. And so we have rookie mini camp. And I'm, I've got to say, Frank, since Adam Gase was the head coach of the New York Jets, this is the first time that I've felt excited about a Jets offseason. This is the first time like I can't wait. I mean obviously last year, these last two years you wanna see that you want to see football and you have hope that the Jets could do something. But this year this just feels so much different, man. Yeah, bro, we got a feeling of optimism, you know, especially with, you know, what everything we heard from rookie minicamp. Yeah, man, and I'm glad that you that you say that because that's exactly where we're gonna go today. Uh we, you know, we got a few topics to discuss. Uh, including going over the schedule, which was released uh, a few days ago. So we're going to go over that. But as you said, we're going to go into rookie minicamp and discuss that. Um, And, you know, one of the first things, you know, I think we should talk about for sure is the the most important person in the franchise right now, and that's Zach Wilson. Um, And, you know, how he's already making an impact on his teammates. Uh, Elijah Moore, the wide receiver, drafted at 34th overall referred to Zach Wilson as a quote-unquote general. Uh, Michael Carter said Wilson is somebody that uh, you can tell has your best interests in mind, uh, that he's genuine and that it's easy to follow guys like that. Uh, and Wilson, he's also connected with some of the veterans as well who they've reached out to him actually, you know, including Quentin Williams, Connor McGovern. Uh, he said he spoke to Chris Herndon and Braden Mann. So Zach Wilson already making an impact on his teammates. Uh, obviously, it's it's everything is seven on seven right now. So you know he looks the part as you should on an NFL field uh, if you're the number two pick in the draft. Uh, but what are your thoughts on on the the positives, the leadership that we've heard uh, Zach Wilson's already been exhibiting, Frank? Yeah, it was exciting for me to hear that type of stuff because uh, you know me and you both had some concerns being that he's from Utah, went to BYU, how he was going to be able to connect with uh, some of the players on this team. Uh, so it was good to it was good to hear that he was uh, making an impact with them and that they felt that he has his best interests at heart. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? It's funny because, you know, we, we did have those questions like, how is Zach Wilson going to lead this team, a kid from Utah coming to New York? But it seems that Zach Wilson is able to bond with all of his teammates over one thing, and that's football. Uh, and so, you know, Dax Milne, uh, a, a team, former teammate of Zach Wilson at BYU, they've actually been playing since they were, since together since they were seven years old. Uh, this is the first time they're not on the same team. Dax Milne was drafted by the Washington football team. Uh, but uh, Dax said in a recent in a, in an interview over uh, you know around the draft period that. Zach Wilson just happens to be the man wherever he goes. Like, just wherever he goes, people just, they they flock to him. They want to be around him. And, and he's got it, this infectious personality. And so we all, we've already seen that through a week not of him, two weeks of him being the Jets' number two overall pick. We already see his teammates 
calling him a leader. Uh, Elijah Moore at one point said something that really stuck out to me, which was, you know, they asked Elijah Moore if he was going to stay in the area, or if he was going to go back home. And he said, I got to talk to Zach first and figure out what we're all going to do. Right. And so it's that thought there where it's like, Elijah Moore is already thinking like, oh, I got to figure out what Zach wants to do first, you know, because Zach's the leader or, or the general in this instance. So that, that's exciting to hear as 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 Jets fans, because um, you hear about that leadership from guys like Drew Brees and, and Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And so if this guy already has is already making that kind of impact obviously we'll see how it how it is with the vets in training camp but it's exciting man yeah it's everything feels different you know and those were our main concerns about him it was the connection that he was going to be able to have with these guys especially um the younger guys because this team is really really young and Salah talked about that in a couple of his press conferences that how how he's trying to move them along because the team is so young. And if they could start this connection early and if they're already looking to Zach to lead them, I think uh, we're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, and speaking of Salah, he, you know, he, we got our first look at him as well because this is his first look as not just the Jets head coach, but just the head coach in general. Um, did have some adjusting that he had to do. There was a, a funny story where, you know, he, he referenced at, at a press conference that he – at the end of practice was, you know, sitting, standing behind the circle, waiting to listen to the head coach talk. And that's when he realized he's actually the head coach and should be in the center of the circle, breaking it down. But outside of that, he looked comfortable by all accounts. Uh, he was a teacher on the field, um, also exhibiting some of his uh, flexing, some of that head coach muscle. Uh, the Jets had limited practice to the media. Uh, they were only allowed to see a certain portion of the practice and the rest was closed off and they asked him about it and he had a very good explanation for that frank uh you know he said that he wanted the he wanted to basically clear up the picture for these rookies as best as he could uh you know because there's a lot of things happening there's a lot of adjusting there's a lot of learning that they have to do uh to the point where he's even has the bigs and i'm assuming that meant that means offensive line defensive line coming out first uh for a portion of practice and then the the skill guys come out, um, and you know the kind of stagger the practices that way too. So the you know there's less distractions for the players is what he said. And as they get closer into training camp, you know they'll they'll be more comfortable with you know basically being on an NFL field, absorbing what these coaches are asking them to do, and practicing in front of in front of the media. So you know what are your thoughts on? Salah's first impressions and and you know his his thought process there with limiting the 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 portion of practice that's open. Yeah, I was uh I was impressed by him. Um, I heard him speak to Rich Eisen uh earlier in the week on Rich Eisen's show, and he clarified that whole. I was waiting for the head coach comment. And times you get wrapped up in you know coaching because you know coaching gets my juices flowing, and I'm coaching this guy, I'm coaching that guy, I'm bouncing around from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball, uh, working with the kicker, talking to him, and then the Don goes off, and, um, you know, I'm getting over there, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I... I gotta break, I gotta break this down. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's funny, um, you know, I obviously respects, respect Coach Salah, I think he was, you know, making fun of himself a little bit, I think it's a cool little story for him to tell, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years, 30 years from now, and he's recounting the six Super Bowls that hopefully he's brought to the New York Jets, but, um, you know, I, I do look forward to seeing more Salah on the football field. Uh, he kind of, he gets me amped. You know, I think you talked about this. You talk about this all the time. You just love hearing him speak. Uh, and you get so amped for him. And I can all just imagine what it'll be like as we get closer to to these games, man. Yeah, bro. That's that's why he was so high up on my list um, during that whole coaching search was, you know, we had a coach that wouldn't even talk to his players. Gase would just be sitting down on the bench looking at his play sheet while the defense was on the field. You know, Sam would just throw an interception and you would see Sam by by himself. You know, I, I want to see a coach, you know, lifting his players up and Salah talks about that all the time, how it's going to take the whole organization to lift each other up to make everybody better. And I think that's what you want to hear, right? Like everybody's all in. Everybody's pulling the rope at the same time. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rex used to say it all the time. We want everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, so, you know, Salah is definitely bringing that mindset here 
to the New York Jets. Uh, everybody, and you look, you could tell by this draft class, you could tell him and Joe Douglas are on the same page. They just want guys that all they care about is football. You know, Michael Carter on, you know, he had practice on his birthday. They said, "What do you, you know? What are you going to do today?" He said, uh, "Practice." Uh, you know, maybe study my playbook, <laughs> you know, uh, Zach Wilson even said, they asked, Oh, you know, Michael Carter's birthday today. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you, you know, are you guys going to, or, you know, how does that, how do you think he, or they basically asked Zach Wilson about it being Michael Carter's birthday. And Zach Wilson's response was like, gets to play football on his birthday. What's better than that? You know? And so, so I just, it's just, these guys just love football and you can see that. Um, and, you know, to all the fans out there that are looking to figure out what are these jersey numbers. I mean, Frank, you talked about it. You said you don't really care for jerseys unless they're retired players. Um, I have a question for you, though. What's up? Did any of these jersey numbers that got released make your pants come off? No, none of them. None. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering. No. Because you sound no. super excited about the number release. Well... I just like to know, right? It just, it just, it's just one more piece of information, right? I just, I like to know who's, what number players are wearing. It, it's, you know, there's got to be a certain swagger, right? You know, if Zach Wilson came out here and he, he picked like 19, that wouldn't really be swaggy at all, right? Like I just, a quarterback in 19, I don't really know how much I really care for that right now, right? But quarterback in number two, okay, I could dig it a little bit, I could dig it. I didn't want him wearing one, you know. That was just my personal preference. Uh, but number two, I could dig it. All right, all right. Uh, you know whose jersey number I really don't care about though, but I'll take it. Elijah Vera Tucker, seventy-five. Yeah, that's ugly. I mean, no offense, but he's an offensive lineman. What would you wear? Fifty-four. Yeah, you would be in the fifties because you, me and you, it's probably same same way. We we, we were uh, you know linebackers, but we also played offensive line at some point. So you know, take a number in the fifties, and you could you could rock at both sides of the ball, man, and nobody will ask a question. Um, and then this one is cool, man. This one I actually did. did I was I was curious to hear what it would be because he wore eight in college, and that's Elijah Moore, and he's gonna wear eight. In the NFL, uh, I'm Frank. You tried to fact check this. The f- only thing you found was that the most famous player to wear this number was a kicker uh, in Jets history. Um, but Elijah Moore, I'm just going to throw it out there. Fact check it if you'd like, but it's a fact in my book. Elijah Moore is going to be the first non-quarterback kicker punter skill player to wear a single digit for the New York Jets. And we could definitely say that it's for the, he's, he'll be the first to wear it since the inception of this new rule uh, where they, they've opened up the number exceptions and skilled players are now allowed to wear single-digit numbers. Even defensive players are allowed to wear single-digit numbers now uh, as you see players changing their numbers around the league. Uh, Elijah Moore will wear number eight, which I think is really cool. So what are your thoughts on that one, Frank? Yeah, uh, like you said, I fact-checked it. Uh, Nick Lowry is probably the most famous Jet to uh, ever wear that number, who was the all-pro kicker from uh, the Chiefs. Uh, But he came to us when he was 38 years old. That's kind of like Adam Ventanari going to uh, Indianapolis. But hopefully he does really well so we could forget that Browning Nagel wore number eight. I I have a lot of faith that Elijah Moore will make us all forget that Browning Nagel wore number eight. Um. Yeah, but I, I mean, just on this topic of numbers, I think it's so cool. We see Patrick Sertan, the the corner from the Alabama from Alabama who got drafted to the Denver Broncos. He'll be wearing number two. Um, we saw cornerback J.C. Horn, who was the eighth pick in the draft. He will wear number eight for the Carolina Panthers. Jamar Chase, wide receiver from Clemson, who's going to Cincinnati Bengals, wore number one. Um, Eddie Jackson. The former safety from Alabama who got drafted to the Chicago Bears. He used to wear number four in college. He's now switching back to number four. Uh, Buda Baker for the for the Cardinals. He's going to wear number three, which is what he wore in college. I just think this is so cool in my opinion. I just, I'm sorry. I just think, I just think defensive players. At first I was kind of like, you know, eh, on it. But the more and more I think about it, defensive players wearing single-digit numbers, like especially defensive backs, is just 
so cool to me. Yeah, I'd wish they'd open it up for the old lineman, though. <laughs> like, nah, how, man, how cool the, would it be to see, like, Becton with, like, a number three? Yeah, I mean, it would it would look really cool, except I don't think they could do that because then now can Becton line up as a tight end and become eligible? Well, the NFL, they could still check in, right? But he doesn't. But then he wouldn't have to report because he's wearing an eligible number. Yeah, they would have to change the rule. <laughs> so, well, why wouldn't they change the rule? Like, what if George Kittle wears number three? You're not going to change. You're not going to make him check in. It's either you have to make every player check in now or offensive lineman check in and now you're just what if i what if i list him on the roster as a tight end i know it's not feasible i'm just saying it would be cool (laughs) all right man all right busting chops (laughs) always busting chops ruining my hopes and dreams if your hopes and dreams were makai becton wearing number three then you got to dream bigger frank i am <laughs> I, like if you like Jets win the Super Bowl or Makai Becton wearing three, I'm pretty sure I'm going Jets winning the Super Bowl because I'm pretty sure my pants would be coming off at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of things are going to come off the Jets win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Very. But <cool>. anyways, <laughs> last topic on the rookie mini camp. We talked about the UDFAs. Um, and sometimes the UDFAs, they don't really have a huge shot of making the team, but there's one that might have a better shot than most, uh, and you dug into him, Frank. That's Isaiah Dunn, the rookie corner on uh, UDFA from Oregon State. Uh, what are your thoughts on him, and, and you know what, what is, what's important to know about Isaiah Dunn, Frank? All right, so I did a, a deep dive on Isaiah Dunn because uh, it came out, right after we recorded our last last podcast, that the Jets gave him the highest contract for an undrafted rookie corner. Uh, $185,000 guaranteed. He's 6 feet, 190 pounds. Uh, he ran a 4.38 adjusted 40, 6.91 three cone, and his vertical was 3.5. Uh, he also ran track in college. Hey, his vertical was what? Th- 35 and a half. Okay, got it. <laughs> it's like 3.5. Uh, I don't think we want this guy anymore. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's very fast. Uh, good hips. Uh, he had a bunch of offers coming out of high school. Uh, he had a full ride offer from Hawaii, Nevada, San Diego State, San, Ho- San Jose State, and uh, Utah also. So he, he was coveted. Dunn had 115 tackles and 18 breakups during his OSU career, but zero picks. Um, as his career went on, you got to see the, the speed and burst, which is evident on tape. Uh, but he has a lack of playmaking ability, and he has a tendency to lunge instead of wrap up ball carriers. It almost looks like he's trying for that. Victor Green knockout tackle when he should, based on his size, just be wrapping up and bringing the ball carrier to the ground. Uh, so basically, he's a project that's going to need some time to develop at the next level. However, he has a ton of talent, and he's a natural at the position where he keeps his eyes on the quarterback and shows good anticipation and break on the ball. But this could be why that he went undrafted, because... He didn't have a lot of stat production. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got traits, which I think is what we think is important for this solid defense, right? I think, you know, I've said it multiple times, and I think you've agreed, Frank, that they're, they didn't need to – they have so many needs that they didn't have to go for one of these top corners, no matter as much as I did – you know, we would want them to get, a, you know, like a J.C. Horn or a Caleb Farley or – you know, a Greg Newsom. As much as me, we may have wanted those guys. They had so many needs that they could just take a traits guy and lean on this coaching staff to coach them up and get them to a position where they can play or at least compete with the guys that are already on the roster. And I think that you know, creating this competition by adding a guy, an athlete, the caliber of Isaiah Dunn. Uh, when you've already when you drafted Jason Pinnock, who maybe he's not 
as great, maybe wasn't as good a college player, but he fits kind of those traits. Because in all actuality, right, we we agree Bryce Hall is a good number two corner, right? And you could get by with Bryce Hall as your number two corner, but they need another guy opposite him. You could even get by with Bryce Hall as your number one corner as long as you have another number two beside him. But they don't even have that right now at this point. So curious to see what happens. Uh, maybe they do, you know, I don't, you know, you've been saying Richard Sherman. I don't know if that happens just because, you know, what's the expectation for the Jets? And if you're Richard Sherman, do you, you know, would you prefer to go somewhere where you could win? I still don't know why they haven't brought Brian Poole back yet. That guy is still sitting out there. I would bring him back in a heartbeat. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, you know, We'll have to see how this corner situation goes. Maybe it gets a little bit better with the with the pass rush that they are able to bring in. Yeah, you and you still have Steven Nelson sitting out there. Yeah, but that guy's still sitting out there too. Like I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're waiting for the cornerback market to 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 uh, to dry up a little bit and, and maybe force one of these corners to take to take a lesser deal, uh, or maybe one corner is waiting for the other to sign so they could. Um, you know, get a an idea of what the market is. Um, but, you know, I don't know why the veteran corner market is so dry right now. Yeah, I can't, I can't tell you why. It could be similar to what happened with the wide receivers last year, right, where this corner draft was so top-heavy and there were still some guys that you could get in the second and third round that maybe these teams said, hey, we don't, we're not going to pay these. Like, maybe the corners were asking for more than teams were willing to pay as they were looking to these draft classes. And so veterans were like, well, wait till after, you know, you guys that are looking to get a corner don't get one. And maybe we can uh, discuss a, a, a price that's more in line with, with the players. But it's, it's it's you know, we'll have to see what happens as the year progresses and we get closer into training camp and, and teams start to, to really get an eye on what they have in-house. Yeah, and I also think it's hard because the salary cap went down a little bit this year. Yeah, that too as well, right? So, I don't know. We'll see. But, Frank, let's jump into this schedule, man. The schedule has been released. The Jets' first ever 17-game schedule has been released. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's you know, they, they play the AFC South this year as well as the NFC South. Uh, so, both team, you know, both divisions that... Uh, you know, are pretty good. The AFC South had two playoff teams last year in the Colts and the in the uh and the Titans. Um the NFC South obviously has the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um and then not to mention the teams that are are in the Jets own division. Uh the Buffalo Bills had a really good year last year making it all the way to the AFC championship game. Um and you know, obviously, the Patriots have been the Patriots for the last twenty plus years, but they they're going through some changes they're themselves. And then the Dolphins are on the up and up. And I, you know, as much as I hate to say it, the Dolphins are continuing to do um, every time they do something, whether it was the draft this year or the draft last year. I'm like, damn, that was a smart move by the Dolphins. And so they're continuing to get better. Uh, so it's it's a tough schedule. Uh, they have a trip out to London. They only have one primetime game this year. Uh, that's a Thursday night game against the Colts in Week 9. Um, but they start off on the road against the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. Um, so this will be an exciting schedule from, from the very beginning, Frank. So we're going to break it all down. We'll go game by game and kind of predict um, kind of predict the, 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 I guess, the win-loss record for the New York Jets in their first ever 17 game schedule but before i do that frank uh are there any games that particularly stick out to you well number one would be the extra game uh which is the eagles that kind of stuck out to me also two games that stick out are the panthers and the jags you got zach wilson going against the jets old quarterback sam darnold and then you got the number one and number two overall picks in this year's draft going against each other and then you got the trip out to London against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I think that's those are interesting points, especially, you know, Sam Darnold week 1. That's NFL just 
would love to do that right there. Um, you know, it'll be a motivating game for not just the Jets uh, and Zach Wilson uh, in his first NFL game, but Sam Darnold as well um, going up against the franchise that not only drafted him, but then subsequently got rid of him. Uh, and then Robbie Anderson getting a revenge game as well. Um, you know, I'm I'm the games that kind of intrigue me. The Titans game intrigues me. You you got a, a, a playoff team in in the Titans who uh, play a physical brand of football, so that'll be a good test for a uh, a Sala uh, defense, I think. Uh, and then you know Joe going up against Joe Burrow uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals, I think is is interesting game. That Colts game is also really interesting to me because you got Carson Wentz and his first look in Indianapolis. Um, and then the, the, the Bills game and the Dolphins game in back-to-back weeks, that'll be interesting because obviously I think, uh, I'm going to say something that I, I, I regret, I'm going to regret saying, but I think the, in our, in the AFC East, the Bills are the standard right now. So, um, we don't get our first look at them until week 10. Uh, the Jets will by that point have assumed an identity, we hope. Um, so it'll be curious, I'm curious to see how the Jets match up against the Bills in that game. Absolutely. Yeah. And then obviously our old friend Tom Brady coming back home. By home, I mean home to us, which is probably home to him because he has more wins in that stadium than the last Jets quarterbacks of the last like three years or, you know, the last three Jets quarterbacks have combined. So, um, yeah, it'll be curious to see how, how that game works plays out against the defending Super Bowl champions. But Frank, let's break it all down week by week. We'll give our our win-loss predictions. Week 1 against the Carolina Panthers. How about this, Frank? I'll let you go first and then I will I will go first on the next one and we'll just alternate. We'll shoot it back and forth. So week 1 against the Carolina Panthers, Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson revenge game. What do you got, Frank? Well, first off, I called this. I knew the NFL was going to do this. They were going to You did. Somehow You did call this. I knew they were going to try to stick it to the Jets. I think this is a really tough spot for Zach Wilson because he's going to hear the comparisons probably all summer and leading up to that game about how this is Sam Darnold's revenge game, Robbie Anderson's revenge game. But at the end of the day, I think the Jets squeak out a victory because I just don't believe Sam Darnold is going to have the time to look over the field, and deliver the ball to his receivers because the Panthers did nothing in free agency and the draft to protect Sam, which was his ultimate downfall here in New York. And I also think that Sam is going to be a little try-hard in that game, and he's going to throw a couple interceptions. I do have a prediction, though. I do see Lawson coming around the edge for a strip sack and Quinnen picking it up and taking it to the house. Oh man, it is way too early to me making predictions like that, but I will I will I, I will back you on it. Hopefully Quinnen is available for that game. He did have foot surgery. Uh we'll make it to training camp supposedly. But I I do agree with most of what you said. I but I am gonna go with the Carolina Panthers in this game. I think the Jets lose this one in week one. It's gonna be a tough game for Zach Wilson, especially, I think, because this Carolina Panthers defense uh, is really good. Matt Rule, he's a he's a really good uh, coach in places that he's been. He's gotten the defense to turn around in, in a year or so. And so you look at the additions that they made. They have Brian Burns already there, but they added Jeremy Chin last year. Uh, they added J.C. Horn at cornerback this year. I think it's going to make it tough for Zach Wilson. I think Sam Darnold has enough weapons around him, including running back Christian McCaffrey, who's going to make the, the Jets' lives uh, a, he- a hell on that day, I, I could imagine. But uh, I'm going to go with a, a, pair, a Carolina Panthers win and a, a New York Jets loss there. Moving on to Week 2, Frank. We are at home against the New England Patriots. Who's the starting quarterback for this game? I don't know. It could be Cam Newton. It could be uh, Mac Jones. But... Uh, in week two against the New England Patriots, uh, I just don't think that the Jets will have really assumed. They don't. I don't even think they'll know what they're good at yet at that point. Uh, so I'm going to give that a loss as well, uh, and the Jets will start out 0-2. Yeah, I'm on board with you there, um, especially with the Pats hit in free agency. They got both those really good tight ends. Uh, they improved 
on both sides of the ball. And we can't forget that they have a boatload of players that are coming back that opted out last year. Yep. Um, so, Frank, week three, they are going out west to Denver, Colorado to play the Denver Broncos. What do you got for week three, Frank? I got the Jets actually taking this one. I I know it's hard with them going out west, but I think early on it's going to benefit Zach Wilson not being home where he could just really focus on uh, focus on football. And also, that's probably the closest NFL stadium to Utah. So I think he's going to have a big fan base there, um, and he's probably going to want to show out because of uh, all his family and close friends that are going to be at that game. Yeah, I, I agree with you in this one. I'm going to take a, a Jets win here uh, week three against the Denver Broncos. I've got it as their first win. I don't see a reason... Uh, you know why they they couldn't be they wouldn't be able to win this game whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Now if it's Aaron Rodgers, we might have a different story on our case. Uh, but as of right now, as it stands, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, give me the Jets in a win. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, this is a game I had highlighted as one that I was curious about. I had asked you off air, uh, how, do you think the Jets would be able to stop Derrick Henry? Uh, you said that I think they'd do okay. I, I'm still a little bit skeptical. I could just see this as a, a Derrick Henry game uh, as the Jets are currently constructed right now. So I'm going to go with a loss here for the Jets against the, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, the, Tennessee's just too good all the way around. Um, I am interested to see how Corey Davis plays in this game. I think Corey Davis has a decent game playing against his old team, but... Ryan Tannehill is a good veteran quarterback. Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry. Uh, still have A.J. Brown. I'm really scared of A.J. Brown going off. I just think Tennessee is a couple tiers ahead of us at this moment right now for us to be able to pull off a win. Yeah, definitely agree there. Um, all right, this trip, the Jets are traveling out to London against the Atlanta Falcons. It's a home game for the Falcons. What do you have here, Frank? I have them losing. This is going to be tough for the Jets. They're traveling across the pond. The Falcons are loaded at offense. The Jets have a young team. I don't know how they're going to be able to deal with the time difference, all that travel. You're not sure how Salah is going to handle the preparation leading up to that week. So it's just, for me, it's hard for to see the Jets coming out with a victory here. Yeah, it's funny because I actually have this down as a Jets win. Um Mainly because I, I do think that, um, you know, there's some familiarity on the Jets side. Uh, when you look at Jeff Ulbrich, uh, who spent the last three years with this Atlanta, or last two years with this Atlanta Falcons team. Uh, so he knows their personnel really well. Um, and I think defensively, the Falcons are not that great, or at least they, you know, they have some holes there. So I think the Jets could exploit them. Uh, that way, uh, I do think yes, they the Falcons do have an explosive offense, uh, but I th- I'm just kind of uh, I'm hoping by at this point the Jets will have shored up you know some things defensively, um, and for some reason I don't know why I just feel like the Jets have played well in London over the years, uh, so I'm I'm giving them the win here. All right. Um, <laughs> But I could totally be wrong. Anyway, so week six, that's when the Jets get their bye. So, you know, they definitely can't lose that week. Um, Week seven, though, they definitely can. It's at the New England Patriots um, in Gillette Stadium after the bye. So you would think they have the advantage, but they're going on the road to New England. Not, not Not a far trip, but you're still going to New England. Uh, I have this down as a loss. Uh, I don't. I don't know if the Jets are at the point where they could take two games from New England yet. But we'll we'll see. I could totally change my mind. Come you know week seven, uh, week six, you know middle of October and near end of October around Halloween time. But as of right now, I have them going zero and two against the New England Patriots on the year. What about you, Frank? Yeah, I don't. I don't see them winning this game. Did- it's too hard. They do. They're they are coming off the bye, but most of that time they're probably going to have uh, jet lag and recovering from coming from London. And Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. I I don't have them winning any games against the Pats this year. Um, 
All right, moving on to week eight, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that is a game against Joe Burrow, the number one pick from last year with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's got new weapons in Jamar Chase, uh, you know, obviously added to the uh, an old weapon is a new weapon in Jamar Chase added to the current uh, stable of weapons with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. Uh, what do you have for this game, Frank? I got the Jets pulling this one off. I just don't trust the Bengals' offensive line. I think, especially with the Jets' revamped D-line, I think they're going to cause havoc for Joe Burrow. And I'm interested to see how his surgically repaired knee holds up as the season goes on. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm totally with you on this one. I have, I have the, the Jets winning this game, too, at home against the Bengals. Uh, I agree with you. This D-line uh, is definitely going to uh, wreak some havoc. And I think after the bye, uh, after playing a game against the New England Patriots, I think this is when you'll start to see the Jets start really taking off here because um, they are a young team. They are going to get better fast. And I think we'll start seeing that at this midway point through the season, you know, through eight weeks, Frank. I mean, there's no longer the midway point. Uh, in terms of games played on the schedule because of the 18-game schedule or 18-week schedule now. But, Frank, um, through through eight weeks, I've got the Jets at three and four, and you have the Jets at three and four as well. So we are on the same page here through eight weeks, just a little bit difference of, of where the games hit. But... Going to week nine, they've got a Thursday night game against the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz, his first look as the Colts' new quarterback. Uh, Frank, I have this one down as a loss. The Colts were a good football team last year. They're getting Carson Wentz, uh, who I think, added, you know, being with Frank Reich, should take him back to where he was. They have running back Jonathan Taylor, who who was a stud last year, and I think will continue that, that elevation to being a stud. Um but what about you, Frank? What do you have this game down as? I've had a loss as well. So you're going to have strength versus strength. You're going to have the Jets' D-line against the Colts' offensive line. And if the Jets can't get any pressure on Carson Wentz, I think it's going to be a long day for those defensive backs that we have back there. And the Colts have a really solid uh, defensive side of the ball. So I think it's going to be tough treading for the Jets' against Indianapolis. I totally agree with that one, um, especially on a short week going up against the Colts. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, what about week 10 facing the AFC runner-up Buffalo Bills? Uh, tr- this is a home game. And so, Frank, what do you have down for this game? This is a loss. Buffalo's way too good right now for us. We're we're not ready to compete with Buffalo. As you said, they're the AFC runner-ups. They're in the AFC championship game. Josh Allen played like his hair is on fire last year. They got all those weapons on offense. Their defense is ridiculous. Uh, they're, they are coached extremely well. I just think it's going to be really, really tough for us to compete with Buffalo this year. As you said before, they're the cream of the crop of the AFC East. Yeah, man, I, I totally am with you on here. I'm taking the loss as well. Uh, you know, Buffalo's really good, and, and uh, you know, even if this defense does take the leap, I just remember a Saturday a Saturday night game last year where Josh Allen just destroyed the San Francisco 49ers, um, and so that game it like resonates in my brain <laughs> when I thought when I thought about Salah hired because the first thing I thought about when Salah was hired was like okay well how did the how did they do against the Bills last year and I was like oh no uh, not to say that that will continue to happen but the Bills like 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 we've been saying they are the cream of the AFC East and so as much as it pains me to say it they're going to be a good team and they're they're contending for a Super Bowl and just frankly the Jets aren't at that point right now so um, moving on to our next division rivals we are facing them at home and that is the Miami Dolphins and I'll tell you what Frank the Jets in my opinion on this schedule will get their first divisional win here in week 11 at home against the Dolphins I'm right in line with you I think this is going to fall really well for the Jets they'll probably come off a bad loss to Buffalo they're going to be really pissed off Miami's got to come up to New York and who knows what the weather is going to be like 
that point. I'm not really sold on Tua at the moment. So depending on how he plays, if he get he gets some pressure from that D line, I think we squeak out a win. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I agree with everything you said except for the fact that I, I do think maybe the Bills game could be a little bit closer where it gives them some confidence to going to face going home to face a team like like the Dolphins. And so that Dolphins team, that defense is really good for Miami. But like like you said, I don't think that they're – I don't have that much faith in Tua. So uh, – and I think this is a game where, you know, the, the Jets offensively are – you know, when facing the Dolphins offense, they're not completely overmatched, right? Like, you know, they, the Jets – the Dolphins don't have an offensive player. I mean, we'll see what Jalen Waddle becomes, but they don't have an offensive player that – genuine that really scares me right now so you you know i feel like it's much easier it'll be easier for them to win a defensive battle uh but we'll see um and then week 12 they go on to face the houston texans and i think we have to both have that as a win frank what do you have it as yeah i have as a win. i think the texans especially if deshaun isn't able to play this year is probably the worst team in the nfl yeah i mean even if deshaun is able to play he's already said he's not playing for the texans i agree the Texans, and Vegas agrees, the Texans will be the worst team in the NFL. Moving on to the following week against the Philadelphia Eagles. I have this down as a win. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in uh, this Jalen Hurts-led offense. Um, you know, I have my questions. I mean, and the defense over in Philadelphia has regressed. The offensive line has regressed. Philadelphia is, you know, kind of battling they're 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 teeter-tottering on this line of like we'll we'll rebuild or we'll build around Jalen Hurts and I feel like that's just a formula for a disaster so I'm going to give the Jets a win here yeah I have a win too I don't believe in what Howie Roseman's trying to do and I'm really not a fan of Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's going to end up being a good quarterback in this league. I just think at this point in the season, the Jets are going to find their identity. They're going to be running the ball pretty well. And I think they find a way to beat the Eagles. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm with you. I, it's not that I don't think... I, I, I'm not going to count Jalen Hurts out. I just, from what I saw last year, a 52% completion percentage... Um, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, because you know me, Frank, I look at fantasy football like... Jalen Hurts, I'd love to have him on my fantasy team, but from a football perspective, if my team was, if he was my team's quarterback, I'd feel a little bit uneasy. Uh, I thought the Eagles should have taken Justin Fields, but that's a conversation for a different podcast, not this one. Um, Frank, then the Jets are at home against the New Orleans Saints. What do you have this down for? This was tough for me because the Saints. Don't have Drew Brees, and it's hard to get a feel for who they are as a team. I just think when you have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, that it's going to be too much for the Jets to pull off a victory here. Yeah, I could totally see that. But when your quarterback is potentially Jameis Winston, or maybe even Taysom Hill, and you're the New Orleans Saints, and you're used to playing in a dome, and you have to travel to to MetLife in or to Northern New Jersey in November, December. I'm uh, I'm gonna have some questions. So uh, I actually gave the Jets a win here, giving them four straight in my book. Then they go out to the Miami to face the Dolphins, and I'm gonna actually give them a loss here. I think the Dolphins are good enough defensively uh, to give us some trouble. I I don't I know I have my questions about Tua, but I, I do trust Brian Flores. I think the Dolphins will be playing for. Some kind of wild card spot at this point. This game is going to be really important for them. Uh, I'm going to give the Jets a loss here. Yeah, I'm right on board with you. I have the Jets with a loss here. They're coming down to Miami. It's going to be tough sledding down there. As you said, Flores is a good coach. The Jets would be playing well at this point. Maybe it's a little bit of a dip for them, especially with the young team. Maybe they're a little overconfident, and I don't have them... Being able yeah, to beat yeah, Miami I agree. in Miami. Um, all right, Frank, what do you have for the, the the I don't even know what you call this, the bowl of the top two picks, the rookie bowl, the quarterback savior bowl, uh, you know, the toilet bowl. What do you call it, Frank? The Jets versus Jags, week 16. What do you got? I got the Jets winning. The Jets are just in my opinion, a more talented football team than the Jacksonville Jaguars at this point. And I'm not too sure 
with Urban Meyer bringing in Tim Tebow, how the locker room is going to respond to Urban Meyer. So I think the Jets win this game. Yeah, I, I have the Jets winning this game as well. It's been it's crazy because the the Jets versus Jacksonville thing is becoming a huge topic of conversation uh, to the point where I think Connor Hughes even wrote about it in the Athletic. Um, how this game is one that Jets fans and the Jets are going to want to, 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 you know, to, to show out for because all of the talk about Trevor Lawrence should have should have gone back to Clemson and not played for the Jets and uh, how a lot of, it seems like a lot of Jets fans have taken that personally uh, because they don't they don't think Jacksonville is a much better spot because all that conversation died when when the Jags earned the number one pick. But in my opinion, it's so easy for national media to pick on the Jets, and they're going to continue to do it. And as Jets fans, we shouldn't even really care because uh, screw the national media. They just want to kick the Jets when they're down. But, you know, times are times are lifting up, man. They're looking up, and we're gonna, we gonna, we're, they're not going to be able to make fun of the New York Jets anymore. No, no, they're not. Times are definitely changing. All right, moving on to week 17, Frank. The Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady. I'm putting this down as a loss. It's not even close, bro. It's not even close. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to throw for like seven touchdowns. He he owns oh, the Jets. He just yeah. owns the Jets. Whenever he plays the Jets, he torches us minus that one playoff game where we had his number. Oh, man, that was the that – was... That was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so week 18, Frank, going out to Buffalo. It could be snowing. Josh Allen could be playing. He could be not. He could not be playing. What do you got, Frank? We're losing this game. We're not good enough to compete with a Super Bowl contending team right now. So I I don't think the Jets win this game. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I alluded to it. I think the only way the Jets win this game is if Josh Allen doesn't play. Um, so that'll that'll be interesting uh, to see if he actually does play. But um, yeah, I have I have this down as a as a loss as well. So Frank, it seems as if I guess you have the Jets as seven and ten, and I have them at eight and nine. So we're not that far off from one. No, another. even though you thought that. I was going to have the Jets at 14 wins. I mean, when the schedule first came out, you did have them at about 14, 15 wins. You, I think you had them at 17-0 and 0 <laughs> in Super Bowl champions. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, maybe they'll lose the, the London game, but that's about it. 16-1, and 1, AFC champs. Yeah, sure. Yep, yeah, that was good. I have, I have the... Now I have the receipts, Frank. I, Since, you know, I want them. Want do this, right? I want that smoke. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Frank did not have the the Jets going undefeated, um, but it would be nice to you know to eight wins, Frank. Eight, seven, eight wins. I mean, I'll, I'll take it, man. I really will. At this point, I just want them to look, to compete. I want them to play hard. I want them to look like an NFL team. Yeah, right. That's what we want. We want to be entertained on Sundays. We don't want to, by the second quarter, down by 20 points, and we got to turn on the red zone. Yeah, that was me all year last year. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to watch red zone now because why do I want to make myself miserable watching bad? Like, because the, the, like, the Jets were just a bad football team. They didn't do anything innovative. They weren't fun to watch. Like, there was nothing about them that just made you say, oh, well, you know, if, even if the Jets are going to lose, at least I'm going to have fun. Like, the Chargers went 7-9 and nine last year, and I would ha- I had fun every time I watched the Chargers game. Yeah, I'm revoking, I'm revoking your Jets card because you were watching the Chargers instead of watching the Jets. You, I was it, watching you Red had, Zone. You had to endure what we all had to endure last year. I didn't. I didn't have to endure it because I did not choose Adam Gase to be the head coach. So there was nothing I should have had to endure. I watch football because I enjoy it, and when Adam Gase was the head coach of the New York Jets, I was not enjoying it. Right. So I don't have to be miserable because I'm a fan of a team. I can be a fan of a team, and I could watch them, and I could root for them. But if they're not giving me a reason to watch, 
I'm not watching. I'm sorry. And I know that it sounds crazy because I've I've never felt that way because I was like, even if the Jets lose, I'm going to watch, right? But those Rex teams, they played hard. The Todd Bowles teams, they played hard. This this te- That team, Adam Gates, the last two years, nah, bro. I sorry. I, but- no, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was having a conversation with my buddy the other day. I was like, what team was worse? 1996 Richie Kotite ran team or this year with the devil himself, Adam Gates? I never saw Rich Kotite. I've never saw that. I didn't see the Jets in 96. I didn't start watching the Jets religiously till like 2004, 2005. But there's nothing that's worse than this, in my opinion, what Adam Gates put us through last year. There's nothing worse than that because that man, it's like he went out there trying not to lose. He went out there trying not to lose the game. And you will never win a game that that way. Or maybe, I'm sorry, maybe you'll win two. Yeah. But <laughs> you can't try to not win. When, when the story is about when Sam Darnold was out with Mono, he's just like, well, uh, there's nothing we could do. We don't have a quarterback, or, you know. And he just went into the games just basically running on first, second, passing on third, punting on fourth. And that's what, what he did, right? And the stories in the locker rooms were the stories that came out behind the scenes where Adam Gase wasn't even trying. He looked like a coach, a coach that was dejected. He knew he looked like a coach that knew that without his quarterback, he wasn't going to win. And every time, and you could tell because every single time they're like, well, why didn't you do this? He's like, well, we don't have our quarterback. The first time when, uh, when Sam Darnold came back and they were up against Dallas, he's like, well, it's, you know, things work much better when you have your quarterback out there. But then he's the same guy throwing Sam Darnold underneath the bus in, in December. So nothing is worse than Adam Gase. Was that your Adam Gase impression? Uh, that's my, oh, I have no idea how to coach a football team impression. And so Adam Gase gets that voice. Okay, I was wondering because that's a terrible impression if it was. No, that's just an impression, like I said, of a coach that has no idea what he's doing. Okay, that makes sense then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anytime, anyway, I'm tired of talking about Adam Gase. Uh, that guy just, he, he like literally makes my blood boil. Um, so, Sala, we could talk about him. Uh, you know, getting eight wins. In, you have him at seven. I have him at eight. Uh, that would be one less than Adam Gase got in two years. So, uh, if, I, if he gets eight, you know, so we'll see. Um, but I'm excited for Jets football. Uh, Frank, you and I have already talked about making trips out to some of these games, whether they're home or away. So definitely going to catch us at these Jets games if you're checking us out. Or if you're if you're there checking it out, you can check us out because definitely would love to interact with some fans of the pod as we, you know, as we, uh, you know, everybody's getting vaccinated and, um, you know, uh, you know the the COVID rates are going down, and people can start going to these games. Uh, it'd be cool to start interacting with people again. Oh, absolutely! I'm I'm actually looking forward to interacting with some of our uh, our listeners and seeing what they may want us to talk about in our end of pod segments. Yeah, man. I mean, we could definitely you know if you have some suggestions about how we should end some of our segments, like we're gonna end this one right here. You know, Frank likes to. Uh, look at these blasts from the past type deals. So um, if you have any suggestions, you know how to reach us at liftoff underscore NYJ is the Twitter and Instagram account. Uh, You could also reach out to Frank at Frankie bots with a Z on Twitter. Uh, I think he's Frankie G 53 on Instagram. Uh, Your boy here at JR football nerd, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so if you want to reach out to us, tell us how we should end these segments, then uh, definitely we would appreciate that. But also make sure you rate and review in the podcast because that helps us out a ton as well. So uh, make sure you're doing that. Uh, but we are going to end this segment. We talked about Isaiah Dunn, the undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, so we're going to talk about our favorite Jets UDFAs. So Frank, who is your favorite Jets UDFA? All right, my favorite undrafted rookie free agent reminds me of no other than Michael Carter. Or this guy reminds me of Michael Carter. Which Michael Carter? Yeah, we, we got to keep remembering that. MC Squared? Which one's MC Squared? Michael Carter the second. Okay, so no, this is the running back Michael Carter who came out of North Carolina University. So my pick for today is Bruce Harper, who is most 
longtime suffering Jets fans, one of their favorites. But while I was digging into him, I found it interesting how he actually got a tryout. Uh, he actually had a personal reference because he played running back at Kutztown State, which was a D3 school at the time in Pennsylvania. Uh, White, Walt Michaels was a first-year head coach at the time, and his son, Walt Jr., was a freshman at Kutztown. Harper said that he would ask him daily to call his dad to try to get a tryout. He also said, every day I hounded that dude. So finally, he did, and Coach Michaels invited me to come and try out. But Coach Michaels told him that the only way he was going to make the team was if he played special teams. So every day after practice, he would learn how to catch a kick, kick, kickoff, learned how to read it in the air, which direction it was going. He said he worked so hard with special teams coach Coach Gardy on catching punts and kickoffs. My mindset, like any other time, was... Just run with the ball. In 1980, Harper was voted the Jets MVP. In eight seasons with the Jets, which lasted from 1977 to 1984, Harper is the team's all-time leader in kick returns and is the only Jet to gain a thousand or more career yards in rushing, receiving, kick returns, and punt returns. His 11,429 all-purpose yards... Also had him find the end zone 21 times, including his most memorable touchdown, which was on a 45-yard reception in a 31-28 victory over the Houston Oilers at Shea Stadium on November 23rd, 1980. Frank the Historian out here dropping all of, like, a whole bio on our guy, Bruce Harper. We tried out here, John. We tried. (laughs) And you called Sam Darnold a tryhard. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm messing with you, Frank. That was great work, man. I'm I'm just as You're gonna pay for that mine later. Is, <laughs> mine is no <laughs> Mine is nowhere near as in depth, but also still a cool story in my opinion. Brandon Moore, uh not to be confused with a linebacker Brandon Moore apparently, but Brandon Moore, uh offensive lineman for the New York Jets, one of my favorite all time undrafted free agents. Um, because if you've listened to not just this podcast, but if you've listened to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics podcast, you will understand. Uh, well, as we've talked about it with Brad Smith, I just love players that are versatile, players that are able to do multiple things, players that have changed positions. And Brandon Moore was a defensive tackle at the University of Illinois at Urban Champagne, Urbana Champagne. He played defensive tackle um, for the Fighting Illini for three seasons and was named All Big Ten in his senior year. Uh, then went undrafted in 2003 um, or 2002, rather, was signed to the Jets practice squad and then spent time in the Canadian Football League or the Arena Football League, rather. And then he saw his first action with the New York Jets appearing in three games in 2003, uh, you know, starting one game. And during his career with the New York Jets, he ended up starting uh, 110 of 112 career games with the New York Jets between 2003 to 2010. He was part of those, um, you know, when the Jets signed, were able to draft, you know, Nick Mangold, and DeBricka Shaw Ferguson in 2006. And then in 2008, they were able to add Alan Fanica and Damian Woody. Brandon Moore became sort of an unsung hero on that offensive line. Uh, and he was part of those great Jets teams of 2009 and 2010 that knocked on the door of back to back Super Bowl, uh, back to back Super Bowl appearances. Uh, they just falling short in both AFC Championship games, but he was considered one of the top guards in the NFL for several years. Had never gotten any respect, and he was selected to his first after being after starting since 2004 for the New York Jets. Made it to his first Pro Bowl in 2011 in the 2011-2012 season. So Brandon Moore. He is one of the he's one of the unsung heroes of a Jets offensive line that was really dominant for a three year period. Um, you know, he, he after was he was cut in two thousand and thirteen, uh, he or two thousand twelve rather, 
He signed with the Dallas Cowboys in 2013, but he couldn't get himself on a plane. He didn't want to leave his family, so he quickly retired uh, after after short after announcing that that the uh, that is that signing with the Dallas Cowboys. So Brandon Moore, one of the all time, uh, in my opinion, all time Jets greats on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, still miss him to this day. That right guard spot has not been the same. Uh, but Brandon Moore. Shout out to you, UDFA. Talk about my monologues. Jesus. <laughs> I was waiting for you. It's okay. No matter what you said, I knew it was going to be re- revenge. So, <laughs> Of course. That's what we do here. We have some fun on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, hopefully Cam Clark can fill the role here at the right guard position uh, for Brandon Moore. but uh, And hopefully Michael Carter can fill... The spot here for Bruce Harper, and you know we can continue to have uh you know the Jets can continue this takeoff that that we have them uh, on here, right? So Frank, a pleasure, my brother, as always. All of you out there listening, thank you for for being with us. Thank you for spending this time listening to the show. Thank you for rating and reviewing. Um, and we will catch y'all in two weeks. Have no idea what we're talking about, but we will talk about it in two weeks, y'all. Appreciate you. Have a good one, and we are out of here. Thanks, everybody.